I didn't really think I had it in me to record a podcast today. Sometimes you just don't want to, you know what I mean? And then I was scrolling through Reddit. I have a burner account on Reddit that I use to scroll and collect bootlegs. And I saw something that so horrifically repulsed me that for some reason I haven't heard talked about anywhere. Uh, it filled me with so much either righteous or pretentious anger. I don't know if there's a difference anymore that I had to come scream about it in long form and I thought I'm going to be so mean about this probably or there is a likelihood that I am so vitriolic about this issue that TikTok finally like just gets the fuck rid of my account. So I guess I'm going to have to make a podcast and I know you're wondering, Jonathan, what piece of information about the theater community could you have heard that sent you into such a violent rage when we've talked about things like pedophilia and sexual assault and, and a variety of other horrific things that happen in the Broadway community? Well, audience who was asking me that question figuratively. The piece of information that I heard that broke me and made little white and red patches fill up my eyes, it made me Hank Schroeder in that one episode of Breaking Bad where he figures out it's Walt and he just starts seeing white and he crashes his car. What made me feel that way about Broadway? The fact that in the Music Man revival, starring Hugh Jackman and world's luckiest chorus girl, Sutton Foster, don't you hate it when you fumble getting the joke out, and now you know the joke's not going to have like its greatest power because you fumbled it coming out, and it's not a TikTok, you can't do it over, it's just a fumbled joke now. That Sutton Foster joke would have crushed had I not fumbled. <laughs> it is the fact that Hugh Jackman and world's luckiest chorus girl Sutton Foster have a fake break every night in the Music Man. And, and the way that insults me, and I'm not even an audience member of the Music Man... <laughs> It, it's like a good a good revival of the Music Man doesn't have to resort to that to endear audiences. You know what I mean? But your revival was so fucking uh, dinner theater in quality that you have to resort to these cheap fucking egotistical, obnoxious insulting tactics to make the audience love you because you're in such a poor production of the music man that it's kind of feeling cold unless we lie to the audience every night and that's what that is and and I don't know why I feel like that is lying to an audience, but I, I strongly feel like that is lying to an audience because you are 
you're not doing something Brechtian. You're not doing a production that lends itself to fourth wall breaking moments. You are doing this to try to get a reaction out of the audience that your production could not organically get out of an audience due to lazy creative team decisions. And I don't know why. I look at the prices for that stupid fucking production. The prices that are out of this fucking world. And the fact that people will pay that for two hours and 30 minutes of their time fucking baffles me. But it's like people are paying that much. And 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 because the revival is so lackluster, they have to manufacture these moments, these fake organic moments, to make, <laughs> to make an audience feel like they got their money worth, money's worth, because the production inherently is not worth their money. And something about that just, like, makes me feel like Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman fake laughing is the band playing on the Titanic sinking. <laughs> it's like the ship just broke in half. Have Sutton and Hugh break into the giggles. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Oh, it's so horrible. It's wretched. Hugh Jackman, when he sings, sounds like an SNL performer's parody of Broadway singing. <laughs> am I wrong or am I wrong? I'm right. And like it feels lugubrious at this point. And yes, I only know that word because of the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. It seems lugubrious at this point to go after Sutton's sing. I can't even replicate it because my pitch is too good. <laughs> I would sound too right singing it to try to, to try to replicate the noises coming out of her. And yeah, that's maybe mean. It's mean. <laughs> I uh I remember when they lowered the keys from her, for her for anything goes. I I don't know why it just disgusted me. Not disgusted. It it made me disinterested in something I could have been interested in, which upset me. Because if you cast somebody like Reba McIntyre as Reno Sweeney, especially in that revival, or or Sharon A. Scott, there are you know hundreds of interesting choices. Sutton Foster is never going to be that interesting choice. World's luckiest ensemble member. World's luckiest. Everything that Sutton Foster does, she should have to give 25% of to Aaron Dilly. <laughs> is it? I'm pretty sure that's who Sutton emergency replaced in Thoroughly Modern Millie getting us here. 25% everything, every check she ever makes should automatically go into Aaron Dilly's checking account, in my opinion. I think that would be fair arbitration were I an arbiter. 
and I know that he's impossible pushing. I don't really know the word. Chess is one of my favorite lyric words. <laughs> what the fuck? Chess is one of my favorite musicals. But I find that I don't know the words. I find that it's all sung so sloppy that, like, it's just almost mumble singing. Maybe that's me. I don't know. What were we talking about? Music Man, Sutton Foster, Death of Theater, Titanic Sinking. The usual here on the Sweaty Oracle Show. <laughs> Welcome to the Sweaty Oracle Show. It's me, Jonathan. Really cold. I'm shivering right now. There's hard wood in the new room that I'm recording in. And it makes my feet cold. It makes me feet shiver. Um, podcast is still not sponsored by anybody but me. I am coming to the city in like a week and a half, two weeks. Still don't have enough money to do that. So if you want to support the podcast, uh, I'm trying to raise money to get all of my stuff out of a storage unit in New York for Christmas. Because if you've wondered why in all of my videos, it feels like I only have childish things surrounding me. It's because I only have the things I had as a child that were still at my childhood with my, with my parents. This is not my childhood home. Everything else is in a storage unit in New York. Because I fucked up my life a few months ago and had to put everything in there while I was briefly homeless. You know, the usual, the usual theater story. The usual story of the theater man. So if you want to support this podcast, I need like $400 more to pull this trip off. Uh, I have PayPal and Cash App, which is linked to JuicyFeederT at gmail.com. That is feeder with an R-E on the end. You can also use that email to send in any kind of hot takes, anonymous tips, news that shouldn't be out yet that you know, anything like that. Please send it into that email. Maybe we'll talk about it on the show. Maybe we'll make a TikTok. I say we all the time. There is no one here but me. There's no production team. <laughs> there's there's me with a hiking sock over the cheapest microphone I could buy at Best Buy. That's who we are. I had to pause recording for a second and put on a robe. So sorry for that tape edit. I'm aware that the first couple of episodes had a lot of, like, janky tape edits in them. I don't know. I was scared of, like, long-form talking. You know what I mean? It's weird to just hold a phallic object to your lips and talk into it for hours on end. Maybe not for some of you, but it is for me. I don't know why I said the phallic object part. I thought it'd be a funny joke, and then I was going to go in this Freudian rant. But I don't feel like going on the 40 and rant, so now the joke's not really going to land. So just just know, just know I was trying, I was trying to create good content. I was trying to make you go. <laughs> but I just didn't. I just didn't. And I thought I should be honest with you. Oh boy, there are so many things throughout the week that I want to say on TikTok <clears throat> that I can't 
because I feel like when I say my mild takes on TikTok, uh, somebody gets mad and flags my video. <laughs> I'm annoyed that shows like Once Upon a One More Time are coming in this season <clears throat> in Bad Cinderella. And I don't know why it annoys me so much. I think because there's always the chance that something interesting could come in. And it's like the chances of something interesting coming in get taken away with every frivolous, badly written, cash-grabby, pointless endeavor. Because... Both of those endeavors are absolutely pointless. It does not take any kind of rocket scientist or any kind of actual analysis to see that. Those shows will not make it a year. And if they do make it a year, it is because Britney's team and Andrew Lloyd Webber are funneling money into them respectively. Not because of their merits and not because audiences will like them. Because audiences will not like them. And they do not have... They don't have merit. And and that is not a knock to the cast. Take whatever show you're offered. It's Broadway for fuck's sake. A career as a Broadway performer is, is at best a flash in the pan for the most lucky. Go Go through... And look at all the people who won Tony Awards for, like, featured actor and featured actress in a musical from the past 20 years. Hell, you can even look at some of the best actors in a musical and best actresses in a musical. And and start clicking around, and you'll see... That most of those people, after they got to the pinnacle of Broadway, winning a Tony Award, either never got another big prolific role again, or or still haven't gotten another prolific big role again. Many never even got another Broadway show again. And you can trace that back into the 70s. This career is a flash in the pan. If you can continue working in bad shows, by all fucking means, continue working in bad shows. It is not... the, The lack of quality in these endeavors have nothing to do with the performers. And I wish nothing but the best for the performers. But what I really want is for those very talented performers to be in shows that are worthy of their motherfucking talents. I don't know why that's so radical for some people. I don't want these actors to be out of work. I want these actors to have good work. I don't think that is some kind of hot, hard-to-handle take. Apparently it is for some people. 
the good news is, is unless somebody corrects me, it does not look like there is a place for Devil Wears Prada this season. I have a weird feeling that when the Britney Spears musical Eats Curb, <laughs> Eats Shit, about three months after they open, when they close, maybe not even three months, I think they make it to the Tonys barely and then, and then are completely gone. I think that is when Devil Wears Prada will announce that they have that theater for like fall or spring of next season. Probably spring of 2024 if I had to really be like a betting man. That's not insider information. That just feels right to me. Uh, and then, you know, bring in Donnie and Marie or some shit for the holidays. They love putting Donnie and Marie or some shit in that theater. Stockard Channing sings Christmas or something. <laughs> Do you remember the Clay and Reuben Christmas show? <laughs> oh, boy. The, the, okay, I... <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to, like, gauge how much I'm, I should tell based on how much I know about the Clay and Ruben Christmas show. Uh, for those who don't know, it must have been, it must have been, like, Christmas 2018. It is announced that American Idol winner and runner-up Clay Aiken and Ruben Stoddard we're going uh, to be doing a Christmas concert on Broadway, what everybody wanted. And if you go back and if you can find the promos, it is uh, it's Clay Aiken and Ruben Stuttered against a white background. Ruben Stuttered looks like they have his fucking wife and children at gunpoint right off camera. There is there is there is this deep checked out sadness in that man's eyes like I've very rarely seen before. So Clay and Ruben announced they're coming to Broadway. He 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 uh to spread some holiday cheer. And uh, I sounded like Chris Chan for a minute, and that frightened me. And if you don't know who Chris Chan is, don't Google it. Save yourself. Save yourself. Please, God, save yourself. Live a normal, happy life. Don't Google Chris Chan, musical theater fan, listening to this if you don't already know. Your innocence means a lot to me. Anyway, <laughs> the Clay, Aiken, and Ruben people started making fake accounts for Broadway World to be like, I'm so excited. This will be the show of the year. That All this crazy stuff, like a lot of productions do. If you notice... Around the time of first previews for shows during their out-of-town tryout or even things on Broadway, accounts will always pop up on Broadway World and, like, there'll be a brand new account and they'll have one post and that post is praising the production. Those are dummy accounts sent by the production, you dummies. So... Uh, there were dummy accounts on Broadway World making bets with other posters. I remember somebody was like, if if uh, if they get over 25% capacity per week, any week uh, on Broadway, I'll give you $200 to go to charity. And they took that bet, but I don't think Clay and Ruben people ever paid up because it didn't. And I, I, the drama is... 
the, the people who owned that theater were literally kicking them out because they did not have the money in time. And somebody came running up with the check as they were getting kicked out of the theater. <laughs> and there's other things I can't mention, but it was a complete and utter uh, just monumental shit show, which was made all the more funny by the arrogance of the production team online who seemed to think they had, like, struck fucking gold. Well, something like that, in my guesstimation, will come in during, like, next Christmas season, and then you'll have Devil Wears Prada there in the spring, and then Devil Wears Prada will close in three months and will repeat this process with the Cursed Hotel Theater, for it lays on the bones of actual nice Broadway theaters that were destroyed, the theater shall always be cursed. The Marriott Marquis, as one of my as one of my friends on TikTok said in a comment, the Marriott Marquis is cursed and deserves to be. How does all of this start? These rants are out of control. Oh, man, I need some kind of Adderall-like substance. Legally, legally. Heard there's an Adderall shortage. Is that why journalism feels so fucking bad right now? Because every journalist I know is always hyped the fuck up on that Addy. On that baddie, Addy. What's wrong with me? I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. Oh man, you guys. How we feel about this season on Broadway? <laughs> I feel nothing but apathy for this season on Broadway outside of uh, I really want to see Death of a Salesman. I'm going to try to make that happen while I'm in the city. That's really the only thing I can find myself caring about. Remember when there were like rumors that we were going to have four Broadway, Broadway, four Sondheim revivals running at the same time, and now we're going to have, <laughs> we're going to have one. That makes me really sad. I will never. I, I'm not going to go on another long-winded rant about this, but I'm never going to fucking get over the fact that Broadway did Jack Diddley shit cakes for Stephen Sondheim. Nothing to commemorate the death of Stephen Sondheim. It's been a fucking year. And absolutely nothing was done, except they listened to themselves sing on the big steps. I all There were rumors at one point that I heard Lincoln Center was going to do a concert series of all of his major work over a summer, over like, I guess it would have been this summer, summer 2022, which obviously didn't fucking happen. Uh, because I heard one of the rumors was they wanted Audra McDonald and David Allen Greer as Sally and Buddy in a uh, Follies concert. And I think about... Every day, how we could have had Audra McDonald playing Sally, commemorating Stephen Sondheim. But instead, we got Lin-Manuel Miranda singing Sunday on the TKTS stairs. Egotist. We live in a world of narcissist. <laughs> it, just, it, it just feels... 
I, maybe narcissist wasn't the right word, but it just feels incredibly tacky to me that the community did nothing. They should have they should have bent over the fuck backwards to commemorate the death of Sondheim and to show people after Sondheim died how and why he was so important. But literally nothing was done. I've re- I know I've ranted about this on other episodes before, but it just gets under my fucking skin. No big filmed concert at Carnegie Hall. No- nothing. They did nothing. The Tony Awards should have had a 10-minute tribute. I would have at least settled for a five-minute tribute. It was like two and a half minutes of Bernadette Peters singing a song. It's interesting watching the Titanic sink. But but it's all... It, it feels sad because w- with the Titanic sinking, which I guess will be the uh, visualization for this episode, down will go big Sondheim revivals. Company did not do well financially. Um, Sweeney Todd is not selling well at their ticket prices. When the Broadway Titanic sinks, Big Sondheim goes with it, and that makes me sad. But it's starting to feel like Broadway is not the best handler of Big Sondheim. That Broadway doesn't deserve Big Sondheim because Broadway did nothing to honor that man when he fucking died. Very weird to me. Speaking of, uh, well, let's let's roll back the company. Kind of, I'm going to use company to segue. One of the most pompous, egotistical, narcissistic, smug, uh, squilliam, fancy pants, ass articles I've ever read, because I will not call it a piece of theater critique, was Jesse Green's me, 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 me article where he claimed to review the company revival, which was really just horseshit. And, 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 I, I, and I always feel like it's dumb for people to go after reviewers. I mean, people can have different opinions, but it strongly felt like Jesse Green was only reviewing company that way to be like, I'm Mr. Discerning. Because I don't feel like there's any way anybody could have actually felt that about the revival. Very rarely do I feel like people are objectively wrong about art. That motherfucker was objectively wrong on purpose in order to be smug. And I also think about... Because I love theater criticism. Actual theater criticism. I wish I could be a theater critic. That is the job I wish I could have the most. When... When Jesse Green and Ben Brantley gave that bitchy ass, what they called a review of King Kong, where it was really just them sitting drunk and interview and you know, like talking back and forth, and they posted it in like an interview format about how bitchy and cattily they hated King Kong, and they were correct to hate King Kong, but they weren't correct to publish it that way and call it theater criticism so I've long felt like it's time for the New York Times 
it's, it's time to stop giving a fuck about what the New York Times theater critics think because they, they, they just have been especially shitty lately, particularly Mr. Jesse Green. But Jesus, that K-pop. I, I, I can't believe the New York Times ran that K-pop review. I... I I I have only seen a slime tutorial of K-pop. Besides, I saw it live off Broadway. I loved it off Broadway, from the slime tutorial, and I think it is something I'm gonna have to see live if I can to fully experience it. Um, K-pop. I I didn't love it as much as I loved it off Broadway. But Jesse Green's review, I, to to, I I I don't even want to repeat. It, but I know that I have to to call the designs of the Asian lighting designer squint inducing is is that's not a slip of the tongue to me. You're paid to be a wordsmith. You're you're paid to know the power and value of what words strung together can create in the human mind. That's what you are supposed to be doing as a New York Times journalist. I refuse to think that he was dense to what the implications of saying that were. And I'm never really one to, to be like, they should be... Yes, I am. That was bullshit. I am one that's, that's like, they should be fired. He, sh- he, he should be fired for that. And he should be replaced by... Can we, can, can we hear some reviews from people of color? Please. Please. Can we hear some reviews from more women? Please. One of the reasons I don't really want to go into theater criticism, even though I'd like to be a theater critic, is because we have exacerbated what cis white man can say about the theater. I'm I'm sick of it. It's, It's boring. It's tired. And when they have a monopoly on theater criticism, which they do, you end up with bullshit like the Jesse Green k-pop article again i i hate calling what he does reviewing because i feel like he is a insult and an affront to theater criticism the only time i agreed with him is when he said smoke a joint before seeing spongebob (laughs) and it's like even when i do technically agree with his reviews the spirit of his reviews are so vile and smug that I, I just, I can't. My mind will not let me agree with him. I doubt this podcast reaches Jesse Green's ears or anybody in the vicinity of Jesse Green's ears. But at bare minimum... There should be an apology. But what there should really be is Jesse put on the back burner and, and for a competent 
theater critic to be put in his place, preferably one of color. But it's like, that's not probably going to happen. It's like when you hear that the police are investigating abuse of that the police committed. <laughs> Wonder what's going to happen in that investigation. Nothing. We found no wrongdoing. Interesting. Of course. I can't, I, 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 that's, everybody rags on police about that, but that's how it is in all institutions. And you should rag on the police, by the way. Fuck the police. Remember earlier when I said I can't, have uh, I just have a burner Reddit account that I don't post with. It's because I used to post on Reddit and I used to find myself seeing uh, seeing pictures and videos of police brutality and I was posting too many fry the pig comments and it just wasn't good for my mental health. I hate the fucking police. Please don't think that, that was me being like, you guys treat the police badly. It was me telling you not to trust any institution. <laughs> Just want to make that clear. And if that offends you, if that opinion of the police offends you, you have been listening to the wrong podcast, my friend. Anyway, uh, it's New York Times is going to investigate itself. That's how it always is. Remember when uh, the the director i've talked about this on tiktok before but this is a theater story that got pushed under the rug i've got to look up some stuff while i talk about it um remember when the director of chicago this current broadway revival of chicago bullied a cast member into suicide do you guys remember that and uh what the production originally did to try to rectify that was they had an internal investigation that all the cast members were too scared to speak at. So if you don't know this story, Jeff Lovelholtz, I I hope I'm saying Jeff's name correctly, was called into a private rehearsal, which was weird because he was one of the understudies for Mary Sunshine, and he had been one of the understudies for Mary Sunshine since the show opened, which means he was on a basically he's on a he was on a contract that doesn't exist anymore, and that contract was given to ensemble members, and basically. If they could still perform the role, they the production could not get them out of the production unless they wanted to leave. So they could stay with the show forever, uh, which is what Jeff was doing. He he was he had been with the show since opening. He was on one of these contracts that was grandfathered in, and they could not fire him. So the music director at the time, who apparently everyone has horrible stories about. And the director, Walter Bobby, called Jeff in and made him sing the very difficult Mary Sunshine song over and over and over again until his voice couldn't handle it anymore. And then they berated him. Then uh, the director pulled him aside and told Jeff, you're making more money from this than I am and that you should think of the good of the show. Basically, they tried to bully him into quitting so they wouldn't have to pay his contract anymore. And if you know who these producers are, you're saying, yeah, that tracks. 
But instead, Jeff committed suicide. And no one in the production was held accountable. The, the, uh, initially, the producers had, an, had like an internal investigation. So, of course, nobody was going to speak because no one wanted to lose their jobs. If you know who these producers are, I'm scared to say their name and I'm going to get fucking sued. Google it. Figure it out. If you know who these producers are, they have long been rumored to, to be cheap and not nice. Why would you report workplace abuse to them when they are who they are? Broadway tries to investigate itself. Newspapers investigate themselves. Police officers investigate themselves. Have you ever wondered why they don't want anyone from the outside coming into any of these organizations? <laughs> Have you? <laughs> because in their respective ways, any outside PI would be completely horrified of what he would find on the underbelly of all of these things. The underbelly of Broadway is just as corrupt as the underbelly of the LAPD. That should not be shocking news to you. The police cover up when one of their officers uses their power to sexually abuse someone. Broadway covers up when one of their performers or directors uses their power and influence to sexually assault someone. There's really a lot of scary similarities when you look into it. Just like victims of the LAPD, Broadway will do anything to make its abusers shut the fuck up. I know I sound like a broken record, but it's forever crazy to me that an article about Harvey Weinstein could be published in the New York Times, but the New York Times got chicken shit about posting one about Broadway. What power does Broadway have that Harvey Weinstein doesn't have? Because there's something... For those of you who don't know, there was, there was a written article that was supposed to come out Thanksgiving weekend, either Thanksgiving weekend or the Monday after Thanksgiving, if I'm remembering correctly, in 2017, that got pulled at the last minute. Rumor is because one of the biggest Broadway producers at the time, and some would argue right now, just probably under aliasnesses and behind the scenes, threatened the newspaper in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. That's always been the rumor. I don't know if that's true, but I do know it's true. There was an article that came very close to being out about the rampant sexual abuse on Broadway. And it disappeared and was never heard from again. Just like that Ben Vereen article. It, it was published, but it quickly disappeared and was never heard from again. Makes you wonder what you don't hear about, doesn't it? Because if that's what we do barely get to hear about, woof, daddy, mama, vama, daddy, zaddy, zama, we're in trouble. <laughs> oh, boy. What do you guys want for Christmas and Hanukkah? I want 
love, a little bit of human touch, some used socks, and tickets to death of a salesman. What do you want? Look at your speaker right now and shout what you want into it. I'll hear you. Wow, I want that too. Do the holidays even really exist anymore after COVID? It all just feels like we're putting on a bit of a show. Is this what disassociation is? Am I just describing a disassociation disease? Do we all have a disassociation disease after the last two years? Was the shot really a way for Bill Gates to give us a dissociative disease? I guess we'll never know. There's some questions that it's better for man, woman, and them. Zumman. And zumman and zam. Not to ask. And I think that's one of them. Now that I say it out loud... I usually don't talk about Disney rumors, but I do hear a good bit of Disney rumors. I have a lot of friends that are up at Disney. It appears that in the next couple of weeks, Bob Iger is going to prematurely announce a bunch of plans they have for the theme parks that are mostly fan service, and maybe a third of them will actually get made as a way to make the fanboys and mommy bloggers love Disney World again and Disneyland again. Bring back the magic. What was that song for the 25th anniversary? It's somewhere in my head. Remember the magic. I think that was right. Why the hell is that still stored in my head? And you know what's funny? The funniest thing is Disney has constantly, under Bob Iger, announced things that have made the, the very, like, tepid, like, okay, things. And the fanboys have still gone wild for them. And then those things never get made. <laughs> and Disney fans keep falling for this trick over and over and over it's so easy for them to manipulate you guys. <laughs> well, they're about to do it in a mighty way. They're going to announce some shit like a new journey into imagination with the Dream Finder coming back and the People Mover coming back to Disneyland. And maybe one of those things will happen. <laughs> but it's not about those things happening. They don't have money to make those things happen. They barely, barely, ba they had to do a lot of things to figure out how to allocate the funds for this Princess and the Frog uh, Splash Mountain makeover that's coming. My inside sources in the company said that it was supposed to be released at D23 2020. What did they say? Fuck, I forget the denomination of years, but like basically Princess and the Frog was supposed to just be announced, but they announced it quickly uh, due to the, the Black Lives Matter George Floyd response in summer 2020. They announced it before they had the money or the concrete finished plans for 
it, uh, and they had to scramble to get those things together. And that is not a critique on Disney. If there's any, if there was anything to scramble to fix, it was the ride that has white voice actors going. And excuse me, oh, I don't want to throw him down that Brad Pat. It's bad. That's bad. If there's one thing to scramble to fix, it's that. <laughs> But Disney doesn't have any more money to scramble together any pipe dreams. Pipe dreams. Man, Denzel should have been better in Iceman Cometh, right? Nathan Lane ruled his ass, right? Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) There is my friend Brett. Shout out, Brett. Uh... My friend Brett gave me a wonderful recording of uh, Nathan Lane doing all of Iceman Cometh, and it truly is one of the most powerful, earth-shattering performances I've ever seen, ever. I thought Denzel was somehow going to match it, but Denzel Denzel didn't even come in under par. Disappointing. Jesus Christ Superstar is becoming about like Into the Woods became uh, where it's like, oh, you're one of my favorite shows, but I need you to go away for a little bit. I've been seeing a bit too much of you recently. feels like everybody is doing Into the Woods. The Signature Theater has an Into the Woods, which is very good from what I've seen. Broadway has Into the Woods. The National Tour is about to be announced for Into the Woods. The Kennedy Center already accidentally announced it. Jesus Christ Superstar has had its equity national tour. Now it's on a non-equity national tour. Sergio Trejo is doing a production. Evo Van Hoove is doing a production. Besides Evo, like I, I will make an exception for Evo just because that is an exception. But it's like I need these things to go away for like six to ten years so that I can love them again. Because I've been oversaturated. You know what I mean? And... And I guess if there is going to be an oversaturation of something, it should be a good musical. But it's like, Lord, I've heard too many people sing Justify the Beans, and I've heard too many people go, Jesus! Uh, My brain is breaking over the new inputs of Justify the Beans and the Heaven on Their Mind Jesus riff that have been programmed in over the last two years. What an oddly specific thing to complain about, huh? <laughs> you know what makes me kind of not dubious? I uh, the the Wiz has announced it's doing a tour, and then that tour is doing a limited engagement on Broadway, and the creative team is stacked for it. Shelley Williams is the correct person to be directing it. But it makes me sad that this show is going to be built to tour a little bit. And maybe this is misplaced feeling 
but like I look at the video from the original Wiz in the 70s, how huge and lavish and absolutely batshit bananas the staging it was. Uh, and like, I guess I just secretly want that. And I'm scared that can't be built to tour. I'm scared the lavishness I always imagined for a Wiz revival won't be there if it's built to tour but this might be a completely misplaced fear i i i uh i forget that they can tour cirque du soleil sometimes i just think about that incredible if you guys have never looked it up try to find the video of how they did the twister sequence originally in the whiz on broadway fucking bananas Watch the entire Munchkinland scene. Fucking crazy town. I want big crazy town whiz. I want the whiz to take me to crazy town. SpongeBob is the only thing recently that's taken me to crazy town. And I need to go back to crazy town. How did SpongeBob tour? I know it didn't tour very long. Was it? I, I can't imagine it was... I don't want to say as good as Broadway. That's not fair. But, like, I can't imagine it had those uh, big machines on the side of the stage. That made me squeal with delight like a little piggy. Like a little piggy just squealing away. He loves the machines. He does the little piggy. Little piggy loves the machines. (laughs) I can't imagine the little piggy would have gotten those machines if he would have seen it on tour. Oh, SpongeBob, we didn't deserve you. Can I say a controversial opinion? The band's visit was okay, was good. I the band's visit was good. Where are you? Where are you are? It's a great, beautiful song. Katrina Link was in a role that was right for her, and she shined. Uh, but SpongeBob was better. <laughs> I really thought that the if the only reason SpongeBob didn't win a Best Director. Best Actor, Best Featured Actor, and all the design awards was because the pretentious, stuffy, foot-up-their-ass Tony voter community wouldn't let themselves vote for something called Spongebob the Musical, and a lot of them probably did not even fucking see it. The band's visit was a good show. But it wasn't Spongebob. The band's visit was beautiful. But the band's visit didn't have Gavin Creel tap dancing on four legs, you dig? That's when, it was the first thing I ever gave a mid-show standing ovation to. <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm not kidding. I have sat through mid-show standing ovations up to that point, but I led the mid-show standing ovation the night that I uh, saw that in previews. He deserved it. The show deserved it. I need to go back and watch the Broadway bootleg of I'm Not a Loser. And you know how I know, and I say Broadway bootleg because you know how I know the show probably didn't have all the magic it had on Broadway when it toured? It did not have all the magic that it had on Broadway when they filmed it in London. It, and, and that made me sad. There were little touches, and God is in the details, according to Steve Lawn Sondheim. I don't know why I thought it'd be funny to pronounce his name that way. God is in the details, according to Stephen Sondheim. 
And with some of those little details gone, it took out like the grandeur and majesty of the SpongeBob musical for me, which just saying the grandeur and majesty of the SpongeBob musical is a objectively funny sentence that if you would have asked me in 2015, I'd ever say, I'd say, no, I'm a pretentious little, little lad dancing my pretentious little lad dances. SpongeBob the musical, I hardly know her. <laughs> I love to be proven. I love to be proven wrong. I love to go see something I don't think I, there's no feeling I like more, probably because my guard is down and I have no expectations. Nothing I love more than going to go see something I think is going to be totally ass and having the time of my life. It didn't deserve to be on Broadway. It, it, it was not Broadway caliber. Uh, sorry to anyone involved. It was not Broadway caliber, but God damn, did I have a good time during the second or third preview of Disaster the Musical on Broadway. I had a motherfucking hoot and a half. It's one of the only times a show has made me stomp my feet in comedic delight. I just didn't know if I was laughing at it or with it, maybe that was the beauty of it. Maybe Seth Radetsky was just ahead of us all. Maybe he was. Disaster is doing great in community spaces and, and like regional spaces. Maybe Seth Radetsky has always been ahead of us all. <laughs> but I went into Disaster the Musical because I got a ticket for under $30 and because I thought it was going to be so bad it was basically cheaper than going to go see a movie and bad theater is always a good time. Always better than an okay movie. Always, but bad theater is always better than a Marvel film in my opinion. You know what I mean? Suicide squad. (laughs) (laughs) But I had such, and I kept looking around at the people around me having a good time in disaster. And like, it was like we were all in disbelief. We were all looking at each other and disbelief that we were having that good of a time. I love being proven wrong. Who knew I was going to watch a Tony winner tap dance to, I believe it was the final countdown, while she screamed out expletives. Who knew that was something the human mind could create? Jensen Mard, trying to hump a slot machine... Who knew the human mind could reach those creative depths? Seth knew, for he was ahead of us all. <laughs> oh boy, mama, ba 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 ba. Heard a rumor that I'm trying not to get too excited about. Uh, because one should not get too excited about any Broadway rumors, particularly ones that feel a little bit too on-the-nose tailored to to hype me up. There's a rumor going around that uh, Muppet Christmas Carol is going to be turned into a Broadway musical next season. I feel like I need to pause for you to gather yourself at the implications of that coming true. Because I feel like we would all 
as a human race come together in peace finally. Like, I'm pretty sure you could go, Vladimir Putin, we have a ticket for you to go see the Muppet Christmas Carol on Broadway. And he'd be like, oh, great. Uh, and then we'd also be like, Mr. Zelensky, President Zelensky, we have a ticket for you to see Muppet Christmas Carol on Broadway. And he'd be like, oh, oh great. And they'd both travel to New York City immediately because it'd be so important for them. You know what I mean? Like a break from the war. And they'd get there and they'd realize that they were seated next to each other. And they would awkwardly go, huh, is this seat taken? Zelensky would. And Putin was go, taken by you. I don't know why that's Putin's voice. I don't know why Putin sounds like the time Tay Diggs played Hedwig. <laughs> and then they would sit together and watch Muppet Christmas Carol. And when love is gone, would start to play in act two. And Mr. President Zelensky would look to Mr. Vladimir Putin. And Mr. Vladimir Putin would look to, to Mr. Zelensky. And they would both see a similar human tear coming out of both of their sets of eyes. And they'd turn back to face the stage with greater understanding. And then, at the end, as the tiniest Tim begins to sing, Bless Us All, Mr. Putin looks to Mr. Zelensky and holds out his hand, and Mr. Zelensky takes it, and then they start to furiously kiss. What spit is flying everywhere. Mr. Putin goes here like this, and Mr. Zelensky puts his hands over his mouth and goes, shh. Tiny Tim still singing as Mr. Zelensky begins to unbutton Vladimir Putin's shirt. And as Vladimir Putin suckles on Mr. Zelensky's nipple, the curtain closes on the Muppet Christmas Carol on Broadway and world peace has finally been achieved. At least that's what I imagine will happen should we get this as a reality. <laughs> what? Where did that come from inside of me? What dark depths of hell live in my mind to make me picture... Vladimir Putin sucking on President Zelensky's nipple while the Muppets sing the closing song of the Muppet Christmas Carol. I don't know, but it's why you're here. It's why you're listening. <laughs> oh, boy. It's going to be a Gigi Allen biopic. I know some of you have some kind of pull in the entertainment industry. It's me. It's me who has to play Gigi Allen. Fucking look at me. Fucking look at what I do. It's me. I'm trying to be the Gigi Allen of Broadway, aside from all the Nazism. 
I don't think Gigi Allen ever said he was a Nazi. He just wore a Nazi helmet at times. That's not a justification of wearing a Nazi helmet. If you don't know who Gigi Allen is, which I'm assuming a lot of you don't, um, if you can handle nudity, watch the documentary that Todd Phillips made. Yes, the Joker Todd Phillips. Watch the documentary he made on Gigi Allen. Uh, You'll be enthralled. I have been writing a play for a pit about Gigi Allen, so it makes me sad there's going to be a biopic before anybody probably sees my play. Uh, So now it's going to look like my play copied the biopic. But yeah, somebody get me in contact. It's me. It's me who has to play Gigi Allen. It's only me. I'm the only one who can do it. I'm the only one who should do it. It can only be me. I'll poop and throw it at people. I don't care. I'm a little monkey man. Some of you are like, what the fuck are you talking about? And, and, I, and I, I, I'm going to assume a lot of my musical theater friends do not know who Gigi Allen is. You're in for a wild ride should you go down that rabbit hole. Oh, boy. I don't think I could ever get a Gigi Allen show to Broadway. Daniel uh, Daniel Johnston, maybe, but not Gigi. I got some tea in my inbox that there is a Brady Bunch musical being fast-tracked to Broadway, which I hope if that's true, I hope it takes more of a tone like the movies took. If you haven't gone back and watched that first Brady Bunch movie from the 90s in a while... It is fucking iconic. It is roll on the fucking ground funny. The tone is fucking hysterical. The entire movie is fucking hysterical. I think if you had somebody like, hate to go back to SpongeBob, Tina Landau directing a Brady Bunch show with the equal amount of heart and parody, it could actually be a pretty okay time. It could be a pretty okay time. I don't know if I have any more big tea. I guess the ending of the episode is Muppet Christmas Carol will co- might come to Broadway and might cause world peace, and the Brady Bunch might come to Broadway, and I might be slightly charmed by that. This feels like a non-eventful episode of the Sweaty Oracle podcast. I hate to wrap it up, but I, I got stuff to do. I got to take a shower. I'm a stinky boy. Um, again, if you want to support me having all of my possessions again, you can donate to my PayPal or Cash App through JuicyTheaterT at gmail.com. I don't have a Venmo. I do have a Zelle. Email me about it. That email is again JuicyTheaterT at gmail.com. Theater with an R-E at the end. You can also use that email to send in uh, anonymous Broadway news that you want me to announce before the Broadway press because we're trying to bring them down together, aren't we, honey bunch, honey bear, bunch, bunch, bear, honey bunch? You can also support uh, the operation by sending your used socks in. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm just kidding. Email me. Besides that, (laughs) 
besides that, this is another episode of the Sweaty Oracle Show. It is officially going to be called the Sweaty Oracle Show. I changed it on all the things. It should read the Sweaty Oracle Show now. That's another episode of it. I love you. I love you in a beautiful, platonic, friend way. I want to kiss your forehead and tell you your dreams will come true, even if I believe that they won't, because a good friend lies in that way. Bye.